it, Red Arms. Give it your all. We'll drink the wine till the cup is dry and kiss the girls and then the cry and toss the dice until we fly and dance with Jack of the Shadows. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining me once again for another episode of Tales of a Red Arm. I'm your host, Justin, and today we are on Chapter 27, The Shadow in the Night. I don't know about you, but I've been just ready for some action, and we get some this chapter, which is really, really fun. It's almost kind of a mixture between an action scene and a spy scene, almost, in the terms of how it happens, I should say. But uh, I guess we should just jump right in. No reason to wait. So, I guess a quick flashback would probably be in order. Um, the last chapter, we had Rand meeting Tom at the Bunch of Grapes, um, having a conversation privately in Tom's room, and Rand trying to convince Tom to join them with the horn and, you know, have stories to tell for Tom and everything to make basically make it worth his while. Tom declines, although he kind of, like, wants to, but he also is like, eh, I've got so much going for me right now, I don't, I don't want to mess that up. So, basically, Rand leaves, and Tom has a chat with the innkeeper, a friend of his, and basically she thinks that Tom's back in the game of the great game of houses and he tries to deny it and everything. And he is actually denying it because he's not currently in it, but she's like, sure, sure. Whatever you say, you know, she's not Kyrianan, but she might as well be at this point. Um, so Tom's kind of like in the throes of, you know, denying that he's in the game and also that Rand is in the game and then it ends the chapter. So now in chapter 27, it starts out with Loyal talking to Rand about dicing downstairs in the common room at the Bunch of Grapes and that he was pretty much winning a large portion of the time. But then Dina came in and won all the money that he had won back in every single toss. And told him that it was basically a little lesson. And he wasn't sure what she meant. Um, they're walking through the foregate with a bunch of grapes behind them. So they're heading back to um, the Defender of the Dragon Wall. And at this point, we get kind of a time frame. And the, time, the time frame is very, very important for this chapter. If you haven't guessed Shadow in the Night, it means it's close to nighttime. But at this point, the sun is low in the west, a red ball half below the horizon, throwing long shadows behind them. So basically, you can imagine that the sun's pretty much just right above any hills or any, um, there's not gonna be any mountains on that side, but that they can see from this distance anyway. Um, they're gonna pretty much just see the ball of the sun close to the dipping behind the hills and the ground, but not quite yet. And their shadows are very long because it's lower to the ground. But this puts us at pretty late, depending on the, how the, the years work and whatnot, because again, it's our world, but it's not necessarily the same in terms of like the calendar so it could be depending on where they are <laughs> particularly like on the map in terms of where the equator would be i mean we don't ever really see an equator so to speak and whatnot but if they're further north it might be nighttime sooner if they're further south it might take longer to be nighttime so aside from that little detail um, it's probably somewhere anywhere between, I would say probably seven, eight o'clock ish. Um, depending on the time of the year, the sun can be out longer or leave earlier. 
So that's just to give you kind of a perspective of how quickly the night is coming. So um, they head through the streets in the foregate and it's pretty much empty, but they got one of these big puppets, a goat horn trollic with a sword on its belt coming towards them with five men working the poles. Um, but there's the foregate still got merriment and everything going on around. So it's just entertainment taverns. They're all full. But in this area, the housings seem pretty much closed for the night. Like people are uh, either gone, probably at the entertainment locations, or have just decided, I'm going to bed early tonight. But Rand's playing with the flute, the wooden flute case um, that Tom had given him. And he's like, well... Uh, I suppose I can't really blame Tom for not just chucking everything and coming to uh, come with me to meet Ingtar and take the horn. But you could at least just chat with me and stuff. And then he thinks about like, man, I really wish Ingtar would show up. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, we, we get it. You want Ingtar to show up. But he puts his hands in his pockets and he feels Celine's note. And Loyal's still going on about the... Uh, dice game and he's like well, you don't, you don't think she maybe cheated I mean everyone was grinning like she did something clever and I mean I love Loyal his blessed innocent soul <laughs> he's, this is something that Ogier wouldn't do to each other let alone to other people so having it done to them is kind of like one of those things where you know Ogier are re basically reno uh, I'm trying to think of the actual word. <laughs> uh, they're thought really well of amongst all the countries and stuff. Like no one hates the Ogier. It's everyone universally respects them and pretty much treats them as the best things that can happen to a city in terms of like they building there, they're pretty much the best stonemasons in the world, but also because they're a very wise and old race. So they're usually people you want to take care of, not, not take care of, I guess. Um, so Rand or Rand's listening to loyal and loyal's not really sure what's going on. But Rand's like, still in his thoughts, just going, I have to take the horn, we gotta go, we can't wait for Ingtar, but if we wait for him, anything can happen. Fane will show up at some point, and I gotta get, I gotta get ahead of him and stay ahead of him. But then, you know, they're almost coming up to the, the puppet and the five men, and Loyal's like, uh, Rand, that's not a... And the men drop the poles to the ground... But the Trolloc, that was supposed to be a puppet, leaps for Rand with outstretched hands. And Rand didn't have time to think, but pure instinct from Land's training just whips out the sword in an arc. The moon rises over the lakes. That's the sword form. And the Trolloc staggers back, bubbling cry, snarling as it dies and falls down. But then everyone just stands still and the men that have to be dark friends looked at the Trolloc lying in the street and then looked at his sword in his hand, loyal at his side, and just, they booked it. <laughs> so Rand's looking at the Trolloc and the Void had surrounded him before he even touched the sword's hilt. And Sidene was in his mind pretty much calling to him with that sickening, slimy feel. But then he makes the void vanish, licks his lips, and now that he's more or less empty, he's the terror of what's going on is kind of reaching out to him. And I'm going to read this next part because it's great. And it's a good start, but I don't have a whole lot to read specifically in the reading of sections in this uh, chapter, but I'm going to take advantage of this while I can. Loyal, we have to get back to the inn. Huron's alone, and they... 
He grunted as he was lifted into the air by a thick arm long enough to pin both of his to his chest. A hairy hand grabbed his throat. He caught sight of a tusk snout just over his head. A rank smell filled his nose. Equal parts sour, sweat, and pigsty. As quickly as it had seized him, the hand at his throat was torn away. Stunned, Rand stared at it, at the thick ogier fingers clutching the Trolloc's wrist. Hold on, Rand. Loyal's voice sounded strained. The ogier's other hand came around and took a hold of the arm still holding Rand above the ground. Hold on. Rand was shaken from side to side as Ogier and Trolloc struggled. Abruptly, he fell free. Staggering, he took two steps to get clear and turned back with the sword raised. Standing between the boar-snouted Trolloc, Loyal had it by its wrist and forearm, holding its arms spread wide, breathing hard with the effort. The Trolloc snarled gutturally in the harsh Trolloc tongue throwing its head back in efforts to catch Loyal with a tusk. Their boots scuffled across the dirt of the street. Rand tried to find a place to put his blade in the Trolloc without hurting Loyal, but Ogier and Trolloc spun in their rough dance so much that he could find no opening. With a grunt, the Trolloc pulled its left arm free, but before it could loose itself completely, Loyal snapped his own arm around its neck hugging the creature close. The Trolloc clawed at its sword, the scythe-like blade hung on the wrong side for the left-handed use. But inch by inch, the dark steel began sliding out of the scabbard, and still they thrashed about so that Rand could not strike without risking loyal. The power. That could do it. How, he did not know, but he knew nothing else to try. The Trolloc had its sword half unsheathed. When the curved blade was bare, it would kill Loyal. Reluctantly, Rand formed the void. Sidene shone at him, pulled at him. Dimly, he seemed to recall a time when it had sung to him. But now it only drew him. A flower's perfume drawing a bee. A midden's stench drawing a fly. He opened himself up and reached for it. There was nothing there. He could as well have been reaching for light, in truth. The taint slid off onto him, soiling him, but there was no flow of light inside him. Driven by distant desperation, he tried again and again, and again and again there was only the taint. With a sudden heave, Loyal threw the Trolloc aside, so hard that the thing cartwheeled against the side of a building. It struck head first with a loud crack and slid down the wall to lie with its neck twisted at an impossible angle. Loyal stood staring at it, his chest heaving. Rand looked out of the emptiness for a moment before he realized what had happened. As soon as he did, though, he let the void and tainted light go and hurried to Loyal's side. I never killed before, Rand. Loyal drew a shuddering breath. It would have killed you if you hadn't, Rand told him. Anxiously, he looked at the alleys and shuttered windows and barred doors. Where there were two Trollocs, there had to be more. I'm sorry you had to do it, Loyal, but it would have killed both of us, or worse. I know, but I cannot like it, even a trollic. Putting towards the setting sun, the ogier seized Rand's arm. There's another of them. It's a great scene just because we get that little scuffle and, you know, Rand getting picked off the ground. <laughs> it's great. Um... But we get to see kind of a Trolloc strength comparison to an Ogier. Now, Ogier are very large, like very large. So it's a 
strength, I guess, a contest, if you will, between an Ogier and a Trolloc. There's still a lot of strength in both, which means that Trollocs on the battlefield, like a big, think of like a big sweeping battle axe. It's going to cleave some people through. Like it's, it's going to be very deadly, which is why you keep them at lengths, <laughs> the best length you can. But, um, it gives you that good power level. You can say that Ogier, who are strong, are about on even terms with a Trolloc, at least for a young Ogier. Um, I'd imagine being a young Ogier, he probably has a few years until he peaks out at strength, but I wouldn't say he's weak by any means just because he's younger. He's still much, much stronger than probably even Perrin. I'd, I'd imagine he could probably pick Perrin up really easily. Um, which means that Trollocs are going to be a nightmare to get in a, an arm wrestling contest with. But during this little skirmish, if you will, uh, Rand and Loyal have a hard time taking out this Trolloc just because, obviously... Loyal's kind of like not used to this kind of action. He's usually reading books and writing things down or, you know, whatever. He's not like going around with a blade strapped to his waist and just cleaving things in half. That's not what he does. But Rand can't really help him. Rand is trying, but unfortunately due to the nature of the dance, I suppose, is what they referred to it as, between the Trolloc and Loyal, there's no way for him to do it without potentially hurting Loyal. Which, I always wonder, is this, like, wouldn't it be better to just, like, even a nick on a Trolloc would give Loyal the upper hand, so I don't know why you wouldn't bother doing that. But, we'll move on from there. So, now the sun's, you know, still pretty low, so looking into it, Rand can't really see very much, but apparently he sees another group of men with a puppet um, coming towards Loyal and him, except it, he knows what to look for now, so that puppet, its legs move way too naturally. You can't say that Trollocs are exactly the best actors. But also the head rose to sniff the air without anyone lifting a pole to help him do that. But he doesn't think that the Trollocs and Dark Friends could really see them amongst the shadows of the evening. And they're basically trying to use the street around them to, I guess, evade <laughs> these groups. But uh, it doesn't seem that these Trollocs and Dark Friends notice them yet because of the speed at which they're moving. Um, but they're still hunting for them. So Rand's cleaning off his blade on the dead Trolloc, but he points out to Loyal that Fane knows that they're there and he's set these guys out to find them. But he's knowing that Fane doesn't want the Trollocs to be seen, otherwise he wouldn't have them disguised. But they're trying to reach a street where there's people, We'll be fine. Um, we just have to get back to Huron. If, you know, Fane gets him, then we're done for. So is the horn. So Rand grabs Loyal and pulls him to the next corner, and then they head towards the nearest street with the sounds of laughter and music that they can find. But before they reach it, way before they reach it, another group of men show up with another puppet in a pretty much an otherwise empty street. So Rand and Lef, or Rand and Loyal take a next turn and they're heading east but every time Rand tries to get to the music and laughter there's a Trolloc in the way sniffing the air for some sort of a scent or trying to track them but then you know some Trollocs do hunt by scent others other ways but when there was no one around to like see anything you might spot a lone Trolloc with no dark friends nearby but 
he's pretty Rand's pretty sure he's seen more than once. But they're getting closer and closer and finally getting closer to trapping them and they're like, well, we're getting forced east, away from the city and Huron, and away from other people, down this long, narrow, beginning to be darkened street that ran, runs in all directions, uphill, down. But Rand's looking at the buildings and trying to figure out if any of them would be a good way to get away, but none of them are going to stop a Trolloc, even if the people in the building let them in. Loyal finally, you know, talks to Land, or Rand and saying, we don't have anywhere else to go. And they get to the very, very eastern edge of the foregate. And there's tall buildings on either side of them. But there's not enough of these buildings are empty. But it looks kind of like a, far, a farmhouse, but not a whole lot sticking out. And there's got some big pale walls surrounding this hill so they're like well once they once they push us out into that area they're not going to have to worry about who sees them and rand's like well what they should those walls should stop a trolloc it's got to be a lord's manor maybe they'll let us in or an ogier and an outlander lord maybe this coat's gonna be useful for something eventually um but he looks back down the street and there's no trollocs in sight but he pulls Loyal around the side of the building anyway. Rand points out, that, or not Rand, Loyal points out that the Illum this is uh, probably Illuminator's chapter house. And Illuminators guard their secrets very tightly. Um, and they don't, or he doesn't think that th the Illuminators would let Galdrian himself inside. And then they hear a voice of a woman. Like... What trouble have you gotten yourself into now? And there's this spicy perfume in the air. And they turn around and there's Celine just stepping around a corner. Just, hey, we had just rounded that. And her little white dress is extremely bright. It's like, how'd you get here? What are you doing? You gotta leave. There's Trollocs after us. Run away. And she's like, yeah, I noticed. <laughs> I came to find you and I find you allowing Trollocs to herd you like sheep. Can a man who possesses the horn of Elir let himself be treated so? It's like, I don't have it with me, and I don't know how it would help if I did. They're not supposed to come back and save me from Trollocs. But you have to get away, Selene, now. So he looks around the corner again. And about a hundred paces away, no more, a Trolloc sticking its horn head cautiously around the corner into the street, smelling the night. Its large shadow had to be another Trolloc, and there were smaller shadows too, which would be dark friends. Rand's like, ah, that's too late. Blood and ashes, we're in trouble. So he moves the flute case and pulls off his cloak and wrap it around her. And it's long enough to hide her white dress entirely and drag on the ground on top of that. He is rather tall and she is not. He's like, you're going to have to hold that up to run. Um, and he turns to Loyal and is like, hey, if they're not going to let us in, we've got to find a way to sneak in. And Loyal's like, but Rand... He's like, would you rather wait for the Trollocs? Just find us a path that won't break our necks. And he pushes Loyal, and Loyal takes Selene Hand to follow him. And Selene's like, you're letting yourself become flustered. Just seek the oneness and be calm. One who would be great must always be calm. <laughs> Rand is very angry. And he's like, oh, you know, the Trollocs might hear you. And I don't want greatness. And then he kind of notices, thinks he notices an irritated grunt from her. She really wants him to be great, and he really doesn't want anything to do with it. But they head up across this hill and getting through trees and brush and everything. But it's pretty much just knee-high grass that no one really takes care of around here. And eventually Loyal stops when it gets to the wall. It's twice as high as the Ogier, which means it's probably close to 20 feet tall. That's a pretty big wall. Um, most most walls of cities were maybe thirty feet well, thirty feet tall. So this is a pretty big wall. <laughs> um, it's like, hey, loyal, can can you see anything? Is anybody following us? And you know, loyal looks over towards the foregate and 
is very unhappy that he can see some Trollocs, and they're coming this way and running. Um, Selene, you know, cuts off Loyal and is like, well, he wants to go in, Alantin. He needs a door, like that one. So she points to a, a dark patch down the wall. But even without telling him, Rand wasn't certain it was a door. But when, you know, she walks up to it and pulls it, it opens. Loyal's like, uh, Rand? Rand pushes him inside. Like, I'll meet later, Loyal. Quietly. We're, we're trying to hide, remember? So he gets him inside, closes the door, and there's brackets for a bar, but there is no bar. So it wouldn't stop anyone, but maybe the Trollocs would potentially hesitate to come inside the walls. Well, they get an alleyway leading up to the hill in two long, low, windless buildings, windowless buildings. And he thinks that they're made of stone, but he realizes it's just a white plaster that was laid over wood. So it's dark enough for the moon to give them some minor light, like a flashlight or something. And Rand murmurs as they start going up the hill. And it's like, hey, it's better to be arrested by illuminators than taken by Trollocs. And Law's like, but that's what I was trying to tell you. I hear that Illuminators kill intruders. They keep their secrets pretty hard and fast, Rand. It's like, this is a very important piece of information because the Illuminators are essentially the fireworks guild of the world, I guess. And entering a compound that they have and, you know, dabbling with their secrets and stuff is probably a good way to die. <laughs> um... And I don't think they care about the consequences that a local government or anything else would try to participate in any type of uh, investigation. <laughs> so Rand stops dead and looks at the door. And he's like, there's Trollocs out there. And, you know, at the worst, they got to be better to deal with humans than the Trollocs. But you could possibly let or talk to the Eliminators and letting them go. But Trollocs... Don't listen before they kill you. So he apologizes to Selene for getting her into this. And she, you know, brushes it off saying, hey, there's danger adds a special something. And so far you handled it pretty well. So shall we see what we can find? So she goes past them up the alleyway and Rand follows. And the smell of her fills his nostrils. They get on top of the hill, and there's an alleyway that opens up into a pretty large expanse with this smoothly flattened clay, and it looks almost like the plaster on the buildings, but a little bit more white. But they get close to this building, and he hides back in the shadows of the alley as a man and a woman appears walking across this big open space. Now, I'm going to read the description of these guys just to give you an idea to point out that they are foreigners in Kyrian. Their clothes were certainly not Kyrian. The man wore breeches as baggy as his, short, his shirt sleeves, both in a soft yellow with embroidery on the legs of his breeches and across the chest of his shirt. The woman's dress worked elaborately across the breast, seemed a pale green, and her hair was done in multi a multitude of short braids. So this description is that, I believe, of Tarabon. Um, I believe that's the style. I could be wrong. If you guys think I'm wrong, let me know in the comments and Give me some citation of why you believe that so I can look it up. <laughs> but I'm pretty confident that it's the style of Terabon because the baggy trousers seems to pull more close to the Middle Eastern style of garb um, than a European or Asian style. But who knows? <laughs> um so the lady, you know, demands from the man, is like, uh, hey, Tammuz, is all ready? You know, are you sure? And Tammuz 
poor guy, I suppose. Spurs his hand. He's like, you're always, you know, falling behind me, Aludra. All is in readiness. You know, it could be given right this instance, the entire display. And Aludra presses on to Timo's about the gates and the doors being barred and everything. And, you know, they wander away. And Rand looks at the open area and not understanding where anything particularly is, what's going on around him. It's just these buildings he's unfamiliar with. So he notices these dozen upright tubes about as tall as he and a foot or more across. So these really, 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 really big um, firework launcher bases, essentially. And all these fireworks he'd ever seen, he'd been able to hold in his hand. And that's about the extent of his fireworks knowledge. And they burst with a great roar and whizzle on the ground, spirals, sparks, or even shoot into the air. But they always came with the warnings to the eliminators that opening one could cause it to go off. Which, I mean, if you're someone selling your product and you don't want somebody to compete with you, that sounds like a good way to keep them away because they're not going to want to blow themselves up. So, he can remember when Matt tried to do that and it was nearly a week before anyone but Matt's own mother would even talk to him. And <laughs> um, Rand understands the one familiar thing, which are these cords on the ground, which are fuses. And he's like, that's where you set the fire. But they look at the unbarred door and he, you know, motions Celine and Loyal to follow him. And they're wandering around and try not to hit these racks that have what seems to be fireworks on them. And they all seem to be made of wood or something without a piece of metal. But if one of these big rackets was knocked over, it would make a lot of noise. So he, he looks at these tall tubes and is very cautious of them. And he vaguely remembers the fireworks that were about the size of his finger blowing up. Can't imagine what these big tubes would do. And Loyal is also trying to be cautious and whatnot, but he's also kind of failing because he's a big guy. <laughs> he probably doesn't have nearly as much space as Celine and Rand do. So poor guys trying his best. But Celine just kind of casually walking through it as if it was the busy city street and just not bumping into anything. Doesn't make a sound, but she also doesn't try to like close the cloak. It's just this white of her dress, just blaring this bright light and brighter than the walls, brighter than the night, all those kind of things. But they're looking down in these lighted windows, waiting for someone to pop up, but it just takes one person, but Celine couldn't be missed by anyone who actually looked outside. Like she would stick out like a sore thumb, but all the windows remain empty. But then Rand's like, good. We're not going to get caught. And Loyal's brushed against one of these racks right behind, right beside the wall. And it held these ten soft-looking sticks. And they're as long as Rand's arm. And thin streams of smoke rising from their tips. The rack makes hardly a sound as it falls down and sprawls these sticks all over the place. And one of them sprawls across a fuse. And there's a crackling hiss and the fuse burns and bursts into flames and the flame rushes towards one of the tubes Rand just stares eyes bugging out of his head and just whispers a shout behind the wall and Celine makes an angry noise when he just grabs her and forces her to the ground but he doesn't really care he tries to like spread himself over her to protect as loyal crowded beside them waiting for the tube to burst you know he just like is there anything left of this wall after this like what's going to happen but then here's a hollow thump as it shoots up 
and he looks around. Not they look around the wall, and Celine punches him in the ribs, and he tries to wriggle out from him, and pretty much swearing at him in a language he doesn't even know, but he doesn't really notice. And then there's a trickle of smoke from one of the tubes, and he's like, "That's it." Oh, great. Man, if that's all there was. And then there's this big, just thunder-like boom and a huge flower of red and white blossoms in the sky. And then it slowly begins drifting away in sparkles. And he just, his eyes are bugged out again. And the lighted building just got really, really loud. And you hear a lot of voices, dozens of voices. And pretty much the first step is going to put them in full view of anyone walking around and he presses loyal and Celine against the wall and is like be still and stay silent it's the only chance we have and Celine's like well sometimes if you're very still no one can see you at all she doesn't seem worried at all so boots thump down and going back and forth outside on the inside of the wall and then some voices were angry of those voices and the one Rand recognizes as Aludra is extremely upset. And she just starts laying into Tammuz. You know, you great buffoon, you great pig, you, your mother, she was a goat. <laughs> Tammuz, one day you'll kill us all. And Tammuz is like, but I'm not to blame for this. I made sure to put everything where it belonged and the punks, they were just like, you will not speak to me, Tammuz. A great pig does not deserve to speak like a human. And she changes her voice to answer another one's question. It's like, there's no time to really prep another one. Galdrian's going to have to be satisfied with the rest for tonight. And one early. And you, Tammuz, you'll set everything up. Tomorrow you'll leave with the carts to buy the manure. And if anything else goes wrong tonight, I will not trust you again with even so much as the manure. So eventually, you know, it seemed like it was just a misfire. Everyone's calm, collected, going back. A little problem. Well, maybe not calm. <laughs> <laughs> upset yes but not like raving and craziness um they head back towards the buildings and whatnot but tamuz sticks around and he's you know muttering under his breath and ran just stops breathing as they pretty much come right over the toppled sand just they press back of the shadows against the wall and you can see tamuz um back and shoulder but the man just had to turn his head to see them he couldn't miss it but he's just complaining so he grabs all these sticks on the stand arranges them and then stalks out of the building towards everyone else where they had gone themselves so rand just releases his held sigh of relief that is and he comments that he can't really expect more luck tonight and Celine's like well great men they make their own luck and of course it's just he, I'm tired of it he's tired of it he's like would you stop that and he's smelling her so much that he just can't really think clearly but he does remember the feel of her body when he pushed her down you know the softness and firmness and a very disturbing blend and that didn't help either Loyal points out that they might need more luck. So Rand looks over Loyal's shoulder. And beyond the open space in the alleyway where the barless door was, the Trollocs were peering cautiously out of the shadows toward the lighted windows. There was one woman standing at a window, but she didn't seem to see the Trollocs. And Selene's like, well, it becomes a trap. These people may kill you if they take you, and the Trollocs definitely are going to. But maybe you can slay the Trollocs quickly for them to make an outcry. Perhaps you can stop the people from killing you to preserve their little secrets. You may not want greatness, but it'll take a great man to do these things. It's like, you don't have to sound happy about it. So he tries to make, you know, some thoughts come to his head. Preferably ones that aren't about how she smells and how she felt. But the void's pretty much just completely surrounding him. But he shakes it away. 
The Trollocs don't seem to have located them. So he sits back and looks at the nearest dark alleyway, and once they made a move toward it, the Trollocs would definitely see them, and definitely with the woman at the window. It'd be a race to see whether the Trollocs or the Eliminators reached them first. But Celine mentions that his greatness will make her happy, but she sounds kind of angry about it. But Celine's like, well, maybe I should leave you to find your own way for a time. If you'll not take greatness when it is in your grasp, perhaps you deserve to die. And Ray doesn't want to look at her. And he's like, Loyal, can you see if there's another way out down the alley? And Loyal's like, there's too much light and too much dark there. If I were in the alley, yeah. Rand fingers the hilt of a sword. He's like, you know what? Take Celine. And once you see a door, if you do, call out. And I'll follow. If there isn't, you'll have to lift her so she can reach the top of the wall and climb over. Loyal's kind of like, all right, Rand, but when we move, the Trollocs will come after us. No matter who's watching, even if there's a door, they'll be on our heels. And Rand's like, you let me worry about the Trollocs. And he's like, well, three of them, I could probably do that without the void. The thought of Sidene, you know, came to his head and he's like, well, eh, a lot of strange things happen when he does that, but. I'll follow when I can, loyal. Go. So he turns to peer on the wall, Trollocs. So then he, out of the corner of his eye, he gets a, an idea of loyal's pretty large size um, moving, taking Celine with her white dress on, covered halfway by his cloak. And one of the Trollocs past the tubes, points to them excitedly and but the three kind of hesitate, looking up at the window where the woman still watched. It's like, three of them. There's got to be a way. Not the void. Not Sidene. Like. And then a call comes from Loyal, pretty softly, considering Loyal's pretty loud. There's a door! But then one of the Trollocs took a step out of the shadows, and the others followed, gathering themselves. But then Rand hears a woman in the window cry out, and Loyal shout something. And without thinking, Rand's on his feet, and he had to stop the Trollocs some way, or they'd run him down. And Loyal and Selene. So he snatched one of the smoldering sticks and hurls it at one of the nearest tubes. It tilted, started to fall over, and he caught the square wooden base. The tube pointed straight at the Trollocs. They slowed uncertainly, and the woman at the window screamed, and Rand touched the smoking end of the stick to the fuse right where it joined the tube. And then there's this hollow thump, and a thick, the, the thick wooden base he's holding slams against him, knocking him down. A roar like a thunderclap broke through the night, and a blinding burst of light tore away all the dark. Ren blinks as he staggers to his feet, coughing in this thick, acrid smoke, with his ears just ringing from the explosion. But he stares, amazed. Half the tubes and all the racks lay on their side, and one corner of the building beside which the Trollocs had stood was just gone and there's flames pulling up looking at things planks and rafters and there were no trollocs inside but through his ringing in his ears he hears shouts from the illuminators in the building and he starts you know this tottering run where he's trying to get into the alleyway and halfway down he stumbled over something and seized it with the cloak snatched it up without realizing behind him he hears the illuminators crying out and loyal was bouncing on his feet beside the open door but he was alone and Rand's like where's celine he's like oh she went back i tried to grab her she slipped right out of my hands Rand turned back towards the noise and the incessant sound in his ears and the shouts were basically hardly distinguishable and you got the ringing noise and all these people just yelling and going crazy but there's light even from the flames. And you can hear them going, the sand buckets, fetch the sand buckets quickly. This is a disaster. Disaster. Some of them, they went that way. And Loyal grabs Rand and he's like, you can't help her. Not by being taken yourself. We have to go. And then someone's appearing at the alley and you can point towards them and they're like, oh, come on, Rand. So Rand, you know, gets pulled by Loyal out in the darkness and the fire fades behind them, and 
At this point, Rand wishes more Trollocs would appear so he could fight. But there's nothing but the night and the breeze ruffling the grass. Loyal tries to make him hopefully feel better by, you know, mentioning that he's trying to stop her. Like, I, I tried. We couldn't have really done anything. They just would have taken us. And Rand, you know, is sad, angry, all the above, just a bag of mixed emotions. And he's like, I know, you did what you could. He's like, well, I have to help her somehow. And he's like, what, Sidene, the power? Like, what? He's like, I have to. So they head to the foregate, and they're very quiet while there's all the people being happy around them and just enjoying the entertainment. But they enter the defender of the dragon wall, and the innkeeper holds out his tray with a sealed parchment. Rand takes it, stares at the white seal, a crescent moon and stars. Who left this? When? And the innkeeper, Quail, is like an old woman, my lord, not a quarter of an hour gone, a servant, though she did not say from what house. And he's trying to get Rand to tell him who it is. Like, hey, you, 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 you could tell me. You, you, you could tell me. Just, just you and me. You could tell me. And then Rand's just like, thanks. And then looks at the seal. And as he heads up, the innkeeper kind of just looks at him and gives him a thoughtful look. Giran's still just upstairs. And he's just pulls the pipe out of his mouth. And they enter in and he's like, oh, you are a long time with the Gleeman, as he's wiping his sword breaker and short sword on the table. Oh, well. Rand's like, what? Tom? Oh, yeah. And then he pops open this letter and starts reading. When I think I know what you are going to do, you do something else. You are a dangerous man. Perhaps it will not be long before we are together again. Think of the horn, think of the glory, and think of me, for you are always mine. There's no signature, just the flowing hand. And Rand just, are all women crazy? And he yells, Huron shrugs. Huron can't say much, he's married. <laughs> and uh, Rand throws himself into the other chair and the one that's supposed to be for loyal and his feet dangle off the floor and he doesn't even notice nor care. And he stares at the blanket chest or blanket cover chest under the edge of loyal's bed. And he's like, think of the glory and the first last, last line of the chapter. I wish Ingtar would come. Oh, that's so many times we get it. We get it. You want Ingtar. But to be fair, he does want Ingtar, and it would be a good thing if Ingtar showed up. So, it's a wild ride of a chapter, I gotta say. Um, there wasn't a whole lot in terms of historical. There was some minor descriptions, obviously, of the Illuminators. Um, there's the action scene, which I really, really liked because it, it paints a very good picture of what's going on. Um, it's hard to miss, I should say. Um, there's a bit of... Hmm. I'm trying to think of what the right term would be. There's a bit of... I guess chase scene, kind of an espionage, like dodging through shadows. There's this... this it's. It's a very excitable chapter, comparative to what you might expect. So it, I liked it. Celine's mysterious return in the weirdest of places, and then her mysterious disappearance, and the fact that she leaves a letter at the very end, and Rand's confused even more, thinks women are crazy, and well, <laughs> it's definitely an interesting scenario for him, but. What did you all think? Did you like this chapter? Did you think it was meh? Did you, did you care at all? Did you prefer the more slower paced? Do you prefer more faster paced? Um, what kind of things did you like? Let, uh, let me know through Twitter, Facebook, email, whatever. Um, 
You can reach me on Twitter at Tales of Red Arm. You can reach me on Facebook, Tales of Red Arm. And you can just email me, Tales of Red Arm at gmail.com. Um, I'd love to hear from you guys, good, bad, or the otherwise. Um, but yeah, uh, I think it's going to be picking up into the crazy level, but we're already moving along in this, this book pretty quick. So, uh, I'm not sure how many more chapters, but I'd say less than 30 chapters. So probably closer to 20 chapters away from finishing the book. So it's getting exciting, I suppose. <laughs> I'm kind of bouncing in my chair. <laughs> like, yeah. So, but uh, yeah, thanks guys. Thanks for hanging out um, for chapter 27. And I'm really, really looking forward to the next episode. So if you guys would like to join me and listen in, that would be great. Um, but I want to thank you guys once again for hanging out. And if there's any type of... Uh, content you'd like to add to this like in mail or whatever i'm fully on board with that but uh if you just want to hang out for the ride and have something to listen to or chat with or chat about with your friends family and whatnot definitely would love to have you back so next chapter is chapter 28 and i'm looking forward to seeing you all there see you then we drink all night and dance all day, and on the girls we'll spend our pay. And when we're done, then we'll away to dance with Jack of the Shadows. We'll toss the dice however they fall, and snuggle the girls be they short or tall. And follow young Matt wherever he goes to dance with Jack of the Shadows. We'll toss the dice however they fall, and snuggle the girls be they short or tall. Then follow Lord Matt wherever he calls to dance with Jack and the Shadows. We'll give a yell with a bloody curse, and hug the maids, it could be worse. Let's ride away with the dark woods first to dance with Jack and the Shadows. Yeah. 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 Yeah.